So let's get right into it this morning. Uh, today being Pentecost Sunday, my message, I'm not going to jump into a series into, for a couple of weeks, but uh, today's message is, by my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah chapter 4, one verse that we all know well. We used to sing a song, not by my, right? So, so you know it too. You sing it better than I do. I won't sing. Uh, Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 6. So he answered and said to me, notice this, this is the word of the Lord. It's not, not the opinion, not the speculation. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I love what he does. He goes on and says, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. He shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Again, as I said, today is a very special day. I know, again, tomorrow is Labor Day, and a lot of people have flown the coop and are looking forward to their extended day. But today, again, Pentecost Sunday is the birthday of the church. How many knew that? It's the birthday of the church. Now, it's interesting because the word Pentecost, uh, so, so uh, Pentecost is a word that means harvest, okay? It's 50 days after we celebrate Easter, uh, Pentecost means harvest. It was a celebration of an Old Testament harvest festival. That's what Pentecost is. In fact, one of my, one of my I'd say one of my favorite preachers I, uh, that I've always admired is David, uh, Dan Betzer. Dan Betzer uh, was a great revival time preacher for many, many years and pastored a great church in Fort Myers, Florida, had a radio show and, and traveled with Louie. Anybody remember Louie? I mean, that's going way back. But anyway, he, had a, he was a ventriloquist as well, had a, had a do you call those dummies or puppets? A puppet, whatever it was. Anyway, uh, Louis. And, and anyway, he was, he was great. But he always said this. He said, if you are not interested in winning lost people, take the word Pentecost off your sign. You might talk about it. You might fantasize about Pentecost. But if you're not winning souls, you're not Pentecostal. Because it's all about reaching lost people. And today, again, marks, marks the birthday of the church. Now, where's the, where's, the, where's the church? Okay, well, we start in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 describes the birthday of the church. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, God poured out His Spirit on 120 people that were gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago. Here's the thing. When Jesus was resurrected, the Bible says that there were many people who saw Him. In fact, one time it says over 500 people saw Him and so there were other people, yet when Jesus told them to tarry or wait until the promise of the Father, only 120 people gathered in the upper room out of obedience to Jesus. They gathered there, and for them, I want you to hear this, it became the defining moment of their life. There was something that happened in that upper room that absolutely altered the trajectory of their life for the rest of, life, uh, the rest of their life. These were men and women whom God would use to turn the world upside down. Now we say upside down. The Bible says upside down. I like to say right side up because when man sinned, he fell upside down. All of a sudden kingdom thinking didn't make sense to him anymore. To be first, you have to what? Be last. I mean, it doesn't make sense to the pragmatic mind. And yet that's the, that's what happened. Uh, so, so these were the men and women that God would use to change the world at that time. Now they got to understand these were eyewitnesses of his resurrection Many of these people had walked with him. They'd witnessed his awesome power. 
They saw the miracles that he did. These were the men and women who were closest to Jesus. And yet before he released them to freely go out into the world and preach the, the gospel, he said, you wait here in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father. What was that a reference to? It was a reference to Joel chapter 2 where it talked about God pouring out his spirit in the last days. Now Jesus knew. Jesus understood that they needed to be totally immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit if they were going to go out into the dark world that they were in at that time and carry on the gospel. In fact, I love the way Acts chapter 2 describes it. It said when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now there had been... There'd been uh, shadows of Pentecost. Again, it was an Old Testament festival, but this was the fulfillment of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly, isn't that great? I love, don't, you, don't you love the word suddenly? I mean, think about it. Suddenly, God could intervene at any moment at any time in our circumstance and change it. Suddenly, God could do something Again, according to his will. So suddenly, as these people were there, the Bible says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues of, like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is the birth of the church. This was what launched the church age of which you and I are still a part of. This was the turning point for this 120 people because if you look at their history, prior to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they were weak and they were ineffective. But when this day was over, when the, the Spirit of God was poured out upon that gathering, they were empowered to change the world. That's what I want you to hear today because we live in a dark world. And every day it seems like it's getting darker and darker and people are saying, Pastor, what are we going to do? Well, the answer today is the same as it's always been, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. It's still by His Spirit. Again, something happened in that upper room that radically changed all of those involved and it propelled them to give up everything to follow Jesus. It was something that altered their life. The, the church was born as saints of God with stammering lips went forth declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ or the good news. I mean, think about what they did. They prayed for 10 days, they preached for 10 minutes, and 3,000 people got saved. Right? Today, the church prays for 10 minutes, we preach for 10 days, and we hope somebody gets saved. You see, they knew something that the church has lost today. They understood the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Friend, I believe that much would be gained by the return to the Pentecostal fire that ignited the church and that group of misfits and societal rejects to go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's something missing in today's church. When you have people that come in sick and leave sick, when you have people that come in dry and leave dry, there's something wrong fundamentally with the church when we don't see change or alterations to people's lives. There's something wrong. If we're going to make the type of impact needed in our society today, it's going to take men and women who are empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no shortcut. You know, today I, I was reading earlier that we have now, we have seminars and we have, we have conferences where 
church leaders in Christendom go around, they gather and they pontificate on how to advance the church and they talk about strategies and, and, and methodologies and things like that. I will tell you that you can strategize, you can build a church because this is not rocket science. You can build a church number wise, but if you want a church that will alter the destiny of humanity, it is not by might nor by power, but only by the spirit of God that that is able to happen. And that's what we need today in this Pentecost Sunday. Now, in our text this morning, Israel has been, ha, has been in captivity in Babylon, and they are returning from exile. Zechariah is a prophet of God, along with his contemporary Haggai. They, they were both ministering at the same time to the people of God. Now, Haggai was focused on the exiles coming back into the land and rebuilding the temple, their place of worship. And then Zechariah, he focuses on the need for repentance and renewal. You know, we always wonder, what's, what is it going to take to see our world change? What is it going to take to see our city change, our county, our schools, our places of employment, our government? And we always scratch our head wondering, what is it going to take? And, and it would be the same thing. Zechariah comes along, and, and while Haggai's talking about building the house of God, Zechariah comes along and says, look, you need to repent and renew. It's the same thing that the chronicler had uh, had declared earlier on in, se- in Second Chronicles chapter 7 where he said, if my people, see the church today, we want to talk about, well, if I could get a new government, if I could get a new this school board, if I could get a new city council, if I could get a new this, the, new that. I- I'm not debating any of those issues. I think we have some very self-centered leaders in our country that do only what's right for them, not for the people. That- that's a whole different message in and of itself. But we always look out there trying to find the solution to what's happening And we say, well, if I could just get a new president, if I could just get a new governor, if I could just get a new mayor, or whatever. The chronicler says, if my people, this is God speaking, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and do what? Turn. What is turn? It's repentance. See, it's a sad day when the sins of the world have become the sins of the church. You know, and we, you know, we got to be careful because we start talking about the grotesque sins. We don't think anything about lying. We don't think anything about cheating. We don't think anything about gossiping. I mean, my goodness. You know, we used to talk about the day when somebody would get up and share a prayer request in the church, and Ma Bell, man, she'd get busy. Did you hear what Sister So-and-So said in church? You know, we don't think anything about that. And we wonder why the ineptness of the church today. You know, we could chase a lot of rabbits this morning. I'm not going to do that because, again, spiritual renewal would be essential for, for them. If they were going to survive, spiritual renewal was essential because they lived in dark days. You know what? We live in dark days. We live in dark days. It was, th- this was a time, it was during this dark time that God gave, gave Zechariah a series of visions with the key being in our text this morning. See, God chose Israel to be the covenant people and the reason he chose them, he said, you know, it wasn't because you were the greatest and the most numerous of all the peoples. He said, I just set my affection upon you because I love you. Now, the reason he chose them was so that they could be light bearers, if you will. They were to shine the light of God and his love throughout the world. Likewise, you think about where we are as the church. The church, the ecclesia, we are the called out ones. We've been called out by God. Not to be better than anybody else. Amen? But we are to be separate than everybody else. And that's why the Bible says that we are to not touch. Come out from among the world and be what? To be separate. 
There has to be a distinction. If I still sin the way the world sins, can I truly call? Can I truly claim that I've had a salvation experience? That doesn't mean that becoming a Christian exempts you from sin. It does not. Do you understand the context of what I'm saying? God chose Israel to be that covenant people to shine. Likewise, he has chosen the church. On that birthday of the church, he chose the church to go out into all the world and shine the, the, the glory of God throughout the earth. Matthew 28, the mandate of the church, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing all people, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He commissioned them to do that. God sent word to Zerubbabel, I love this, that he would... He would say, look, Zerubbabel, you need to depend on the Spirit of God to accomplish the work. Now, don't you understand what he's saying? You have to depend on the Spirit of God in order to accomplish the work. Now, this is the message of our hour. I wish I had a nickel for every time somebody asked me, Pastor, how are we going to see revival? How are we going to see all of this stuff change in our culture? Listen, we cannot do by muscle what God has ordained by miracle. Do we understand that? We cannot do by muscle what God has ordained by miracle. We have no ability whatsoever to accomplish anything in and of ourselves. We need help. How many understand that? We need help. If I'm going to walk a spirit-filled life, that's the help that I need to navigate and live in holiness and righteousness in our day. The world, I I love this because when you look at... uh, when you look at what he says, he said it's not by might nor by power. The word might, let me tell you about the word might. The word might is often translated as army, force, or ability. And it always makes reference to human resources. Okay, so follow what God's doing here. And then he uses the term power. So it's not by might, nor is it by power. Now the word power implies a force or resolve. So what God is saying to Zerubbabel is that if you're going to accomplish the mission, it is not going to happen in your ability, it's not going to happen in your resources, and it's not going to happen with your fierce determination. It is not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. And you know what? The answer is still the same today. The answer to what it is to, to, listen, we, we talk about Western world, the Western church I'm just going to tell you, for my assessment, is in trouble. Everybody wants to talk about the demise of the church. Listen, the church is well, doing well around the world. But in Western culture, where we have compromised and become the lukewarm church of Revelation, we need a freshness of the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. God was saying, look, the task that you have in front of you, you can't do it by sitting in seminars and conferences and pontificating about what strategies are going to work in our culture today. Some of the old, people, old preachers that I, I, you know, I could remember as a kid growing up, I remember one, in fact, he was a pastor right down the street, and this guy, man, when he got up there, he just went, how many, I mean, this guy was just on fire, but he could barely read past the third grade level. And somebody asked him one time, said, well, how in the world is it that you can get up and articulate so well in your messages? And his answer was pretty simple. He said, I read myself full, I praise myself hot, and I let myself go. And I thought, wow, that's, that's what we're talking about right there. 
You know, I, I remember Glenn sitting with you a number of times talking about Brother Osteen and back in the day there as the, the, the elder uh, passed on to the Lord and some of the incredible things that happened in the spirit down there. I mean, listen, we've, we've got a history. We've seen what it does. 120 people went and challenged and changed the world. In fact, they would run through the town and say, these men who turned the world upside down have come hitherto also. What were they doing? They were operating and functioning in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Only by the Spirit of God would their work and their worship become a witness to the world. Joshua was the high priest at the time. That's not the Joshua who crossed the Jordan. This is another one. He was the high priest, and Zerubbabel was the governor. And God was saying to them, look, guys, don't trust in your finances. Don't trust in your military prowess, but trust in God's mighty power to get you through. And today we have parents that are struggling with children that are being indoctrinated in, through, through media and schools and things like that to, to question who God created them to be. They're struggling, the confusion that's in our society. You do know the author of confusion is not God. And we see that everywhere, and parents are struggling, saying, Pastor, what do we do? How do we, how do we combat this? I'm telling you how you do that. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. It's by the Spirit of God. That's the only way it's going to happen. Amen. It's a good place to do that. They weren't to trust in those things. Listen, when we look around today and we see the implosion of society, I, I don't know about you, but as a veteran, it rattles me. I mean, because I, I signed a check. And said, hey, I will go and I will, wherever you beckon me to go, I'll go and I'll do, I'll, I'll defend our freedoms. I've got my, my children and my grandchildren. I want them to experience this grand experiment that was done, built on the foundation of Christ. I don't like what I see. It grieves my spirit. The church has become so lackadaisical. We sit and laugh at humor that should repulse us. Again, I, you know, when, I, when you start talking about things like this, all of a sudden people are ah, now you're getting legal. Now you're just preaching legalism. No, I'm preaching holiness without which no, no one can see the Lord. See, there's a, there, there's a reason why we don't see the manifestations of the power of God is because we're not really much different than the world. We call, we call on the name of God. Listen, anybody can sing, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all, but not everybody who crowns him with their lips make him Lord of their lives. There has to be a difference. For this, 100, this 120 people that were gathered in the upper room, it was something that radicalized their life. It changed them. You know, today we see the darkness expanding in every facet of society. I sit there every day and think things couldn't get any worse, and then I turn it on the next day, and I think, man, it did. The depravity of humanity. And again, we, we, we sit here and think as though this were new in our generations. It's really not. God reminded me that we live in a world that has been marred by sin and has been cursed by sin. Evil, man's heart constantly on evil. And what he's intended for the church to come, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to stand as beacons that shine in the darkness. But rather, we have tolerated and celebrated things that he's actually condemned. And Isaiah said, woe unto them who call good evil and evil good, who've confused in this generation what should never have been confused. Listen, when we see this darkness expanding 
in every part of our society, and we scratch our heads wondering how in the world can we shine the light of the gospel in a hostile world. You know what? Listen, church, the answer is the same today as it was in the time of Zerubbabel. There's no shortcuts. We're not to trust in our resources. We're not to trust in our numbers, but we are to trust in the mighty power of God. How is this mountain? I love what he said. Who are you, old mountain? See, when was the last time you spoke to your mountain? When was the last time you were emboldened by the Holy Spirit and you looked at that giant that stood in front of you imposing, daring you to take a step? When was the last time you looked and said, who are you compared to God above? Today we have, i got to stop. I love this version. It says, it's not by force nor strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing Not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when when Zerubbabel sets the final stone, the capstone on the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Listen, I'm looking forward to the day when by the Spirit of God that's overwhelmed the body that people drive inexplicably inexplicably by the church, And they drive in and said, I don't know what it was. Something compelled me to come in here. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing around this country if people for no apparent reason whatsoever driving by came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, ran through the doors of the church and say, what must I do to be saved? You say, Pastor, that can't happen. Well, don't wake me up. Don't wake me up. Listen, these are difficult days. These are dark days, but they're not hopeless days. I'm not here to glorify the darkness. I'm here to celebrate the light because we live in a time when he said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Dreams and visions will come to your old men and your young men. I'm getting older. I don't want to stop dreaming. I don't want to stop having visions because God said, I'm going to keep pouring out my spirit. See, the darkness of our day demands a church that is prayed up, filled up, and determined to shine no matter what society says. And we need young people. We need young people today that will fan out into their campuses and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them who believe. We need people like Paul who came and said, I'm not coming to you with intellectual wisdom, but I'm coming to you in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's what we need today in our culture. Amen. It's time for the church. To go back to the days where, the, where we believed in and prayed for and expected the Holy Spirit. I mean, the church must re- return to a spirit-filled living. If there was ever a time when the church needed a fresh touch of the fire of God, a fresh anointing, a fresh endowment of the power of the Holy Spirit is right now. We need to hear one more time with the freshness Jesus saying, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Let us hear that again. And let us hear it again. I believe that God is looking for a church that is longing for, praying for the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm not ashamed to say I believe in Pentecost. I'm a harvester. I believe in reaching lost people. Everything we do is at the focal point of reaching lost people, whether it's a drama that we do, a food that we give, a, a donut on the square, a prayer meeting in the parking lot of Walmart, wherever it is, it's a focus of reaching people for Christ. Because without it, they're eternally lost. And I'm not ashamed 
to say I'm Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed. Listen, I believe that people are tired of a powerless gospel. I believe they're tired of the status quo. People are tired of a dead, dry, formalistic religion that produces no change. There ought to be a change. I love that song. It says, what about the change? What about the evidence? When Christ comes in, you read it in the Gospels, every time he showed up, there was a noticeable change. Zacchaeus climbs up into a tree after, after uh, embezzling from all these people, and he meets Jesus. And he says, if I've taken anything from anybody, I'll return it. That's a change. You won't get a tax collector to do that. Don't believe me? Call the IRS. No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> no, that, there's a change. The Holy Spirit makes a difference. People are tired of coming to church empty and leaving empty. They're they're, they're tired of coming to church sick and they're leaving sick. We need God to invade us again. We need a church that's filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking weird stuff, okay? You know, we got, so so automatically when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, you got people start thinking kooky things. I'm not talking, listen, there's, when people get out of order, there's enough wisdom in the church to take care of that. The second part of that is I'd rather people, people be weird in the church than weird in the world. God can do, God can clean that up. The Holy Spirit still makes a difference. How does he do that? In the last few minutes, let me just give you a couple things. How does the Holy Spirit make a difference in a person's life? Well, number one, he gives the believer power in prayer. There's just something about, you ever been in that place where you, you, you couldn't articulate what was going on inside? Paul, Paul, described, Paul described it one time as words that could not be uttered. Sometimes the anguish of the world and the pressures of life is so pronounced that all we can do is just cry out to God in words that can't be spoken. But he also says in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, For he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God, and no man understands him. Howbeit the Spirit speaks mysteries. When we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, we bypass all those human emotions that sometimes weigh us down. Listen, in these perilous times that we live in, may God help us to have some prayed up, power-filled saints who will speak the Word of God with boldness. May God help us to have young people and children that are, that are filled with the Holy... Listen, we need moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, sons and daughters, children who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to boldly stand up and declare the unchanging Word of God, the immutable, inerrant Word of God in this crazy world that changes every other day. It's the Holy Spirit that makes a difference. Number two, the Holy Spirit gives you power in evangelism. Again, that's what I said, the word Pentecost... It's all about a harvest festival. It's about reaching people, harvesting. Jesus said, don't say four months and then comes the harvest. Remember what he said? He said, I say, look up, lift up your eyes and see that the harvest is already ready. What did he say pray for? He said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth harvesters, laborers. God, help us to be emboldened with the Holy Spirit to reach lost people. Men and women, you look in the early church, and actually you can go down through church history. Down through church history, churches that were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the testimony was people people would say, what must we do to be saved? 
You can read just about every major revival that hit through Christendom and you would see the same thing. The anointing and the freshness of the Holy Spirit caused people to respond. Jonathan Edwards, when he preached that sins, uh, sinners in the, the hands of an angry God, it's reported that people sat there listening to him preach, literally dug their fingernails into the back of the pews because they were afraid of falling into the pit of hell itself. There's something different about it. It empowers us to go out and share the message of Jesus. If the harvest is going to be reached, it's going to require church for this generation, a church that understands that it's not by might nor by power. Yes, here at Bethel, we employ a lot of methodologies. We have a lot of, of ministries. We have a lot. Listen, I'm a fisherman. I love to fish. People say, you. actually, let me rephrase that. I'm a catcher. I know plenty of fishermen that go out and they fish and they fish and they fish and they don't catch anything. I'm a catcher. That's why I go with a buddy of mine who's a guide. <laughs> Puts me on the fish because I don't want to waste my time throwing something out there. It's not going to get any results. I want to, I want to catch something. I want to feel the jerk of that fish on that line. There's just something about it. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is we have a tackle box. And in that tackle box is all kinds of lures and baits and things because sometimes fish can be finicky sometimes they're hitting live bait sometimes they're hitting artificial bait sometimes you understand sometimes you're jigging for them sometimes you're shooting underneath docks sometimes you're fishing sometimes you just got to change the methods so here at Bethel what do we do we do dramas we do concerts we got Brian Free and Assurance coming in July we do giving out donuts on the corner of the, of the courthouse. We do food distribution. We do discipleship, all kinds of things. You know what that is? That's a tackle box of the church. But the whole focal point of it is to catch. It's to catch. We need a Holy Spirit-empowered church to keep catching. Keep catching. Amen. A rescue station. Number three, I got to hurry. Number three, the Holy Spirit gives us power over the enemy. Do you know that you've been empowered by the God to, to be victorious, to walk in victory in your daily life? I get so tired of people saying, well, pastor, you just got to understand that. I, that's just, it's, just, it's just so hard. No, you're so lazy. Amen? Jesus told the disciples, he said, hey, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. That word power, exosia, is authority. I give you authority over all the dunamis of the devil. We're not a doormat for the devil. When's, again, when was the last time you spoke to those issues and said, look, I'm not going to be subject to you anymore. You're not boss of me. <laughs> how, many, how many have children ever said that? You're not the boss of me. Maybe it's time the church starts saying that to the devil. You're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. God gives us power over all the power of the enemy. One thing we have to understand, we have an adversary who's been on our destruction. He's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Peter said he's like a, a roaring lion looking for those whom he may devour. He wants you to realize, he, he wants to take away your identity in Christ. Jesus insisted that the gospel is to be preached. Uh, uh, the gospel message that we have according to Luke 4, 18, is to preach deliverance to the captives. To set at liberty them that are bruised. See, if somebody comes in bound in a church, they ought to leave free. 
Amen? If somebody comes in struggling with chains, balls and chains, we ought, to, we ought to have enough faith in God and empowerment of the Holy Spirit to see those things broken and the prison doors opened up because he gives us power over all the power of the enemy. I love what Hosea writes. Hosea says, it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon us. That's the prayer. Playing church will never in a million years produce what the power of the Holy Spirit will do today. Number four, and I'm closing. Guys, come on back. The Holy Spirit will make a difference in purity. Think about it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit produces holiness. The Holy Spirit produces holiness. And the Bible says without it, we can't see the Lord. Maybe, maybe the reason we don't see what we say we want to see is because we're not walking in holiness. And again, whenever you start going down that, that pathway, there's always somebody who's going to say, well, now you're starting to preach legalism. No, I'm just preaching what the Word of God says. That if we are not a holy vessel, He'll not fill our dirty vessel. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us in His fullness, if there are questionable habits and practices, listen to me, you will start cleaning house. Because there's something that gets in us. And the Bible says that we, before Christ, have, are at enmity with God. That means we're enemies of God. But when He comes in, He starts changing us. And we start changing from the inside out. And all of a sudden, our wanter changes. Our desires change. All of this stuff changes. I, I read this the other day, and it really stuck with me. The church cannot hobnob with Sodom and be chummy with Gomorrah and retain the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be addicted to alcohol and drugs and still be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't be addicted to pornography and still be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to see, we need the Holy Spirit to, again, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just simply saying, if you are still struggling with the same habits today that you were struggling with 20 years ago, you stop doing something. Because the Holy Spirit will come in and he'll, he'll turn you every which way but loose. He'll clean you up. He'll set you on a different path. He'll change you. The Holy Spirit in the life of the believer produces a change. We'll walk different. We'll talk different. We'll be different. Because the Holy Spirit does a work inside of us. And here's the good news. That power is available to every believer. God longs for his people to be filled. That's why Peter, when he stood up on the day of Pentecost, said this is for you and your children and your children's children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God will call. That's what I believe this morning. James says, you know what? Let me ask you, are you ready? When was the last time that you felt the freshness of the Holy Spirit washing over you? When was the last time you, you, you felt empowered by the Holy Spirit? If it's been a while, you just need to, again, do what Hosea says. It is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Lady came to her pastor one time and said, Pastor, I want to lay my tongue on the altar. I got a problem with gossip. He said, it's not long enough. It's only 14 feet. He'll do something inside. And he'll change us. Jesus said, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled.
Are you hungry? Are you tired of status quo? Listen, the exciting thing today as I wrap this up is there are, there are movements today that for years and years and years teached, uh, teached, taught, <laughs> taught in the cessation, the cessation of the Spirit. What that means is they believe that after the church was launched and established that the Holy Spirit no longer was active in the world today. I do not believe that one bit. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in the empowerment of the Spirit. I believe in the ability to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. I believe it's available to us today. But I've got a hunger and thirst for Him. What did John the Baptist say? May He increase and I decrease. And that's the prayer. God, empty me of me and fill me with Thee. Wash over me afresh. Listen, if your faith is stale, if yours dries Melba toast, ask God to saturate you again. There have been seasons, I've, I've pastored here almost 30 years now. There have been seasons in those 30 years where I've had to go back to my prayer closet and I've had to say, God, I need you to do something for me. I need you with freshness to come. I need you to wash over me. I don't, I don't want to live my life on autopilot. I don't want to get in, you know, they're talking about all this technology today to self-driving cars. The only one I want to turn the wheel over to is him. But I don't want to live that away. I want to live an empowered, anointed life so that for the many that read me like they read the Bible, I want them to see the evidence Again, I'm not better than anybody. We're not better than anybody else. We've just been redeemed. And the same God who redeemed. Aren't you glad that God still saves? Aren't you glad that this is a day of amazing grace? I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God still is saving lost humanity. That the, amen. That he's still reaching out to the hurting. That the arm of the Lord is not short, that he cannot reach, and his ears not deaf. I'm still amazed at his grace. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Listen, may God help us, empower us to do the work of an evangelist and reach lost people. Would you stand with me this morning? Are you hungry today? You want a, a freshness to your walk? Listen, it's okay. Ephesians 5.18, Paul writing to the church of Ephesus says, Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. That is an active command. Be filled. Keep on continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one, it's not a little dab of do, it's not a one-time thing. It's a continual day day by day, by week, by month, by year. God, renew me, refresh me. I'm just going to close it this way this morning. Two things. One, maybe here today and say, you know, Pastor, I need to be refreshed in the Lord. You know, Jesus talked about seed that was thrown out into the wild, into the places to grow. And some, some fell on bad stuff and hard stuff and all kinds of things. And some things were plucked up. Maybe, and, and, and here's what he said, and the cares of life. Maybe the cares of life have weighed you down. 
where the joy of living for Christ is not there anymore, where the joy of serving is not there anymore. And you say, you know, Pastor, I need to be refreshed. Well, here in a moment, I want you to come down and just do that one thing. Say, God, I want you to refresh me today. Maybe you've been battling in your muscle what God has determined to battle in, your, in, in miracle. And maybe you just need to come down and say, okay, God, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't do this anymore. My marriage, I've done everything I can to preserve my marriage. I need you to step in. My health is failing. I've done everything I can to help, to help out my health physically. I need you to step in. My finances are a wreck, God. I've done everything I know to do to shore up my finances. I'm asking you to come in and refresh, my whole, refresh me as the providing God. And the second thing is this. If you need prayer for anything today, I want you to join them as well. We want to pray for you. So as they sing this morning, if you're here today, say, Pastor, I need a touch from God. I want God to do something for me. Would you come? If you need prayer on anything, come on, we'll pray with you. the way that he loves isn't something you can change. You've been running in circles, but you can't hide from grace. Cause the way that he loves isn't something you can change. Just like Lazarus out of that grave, God rewrites history. Jesus, you change everything when you pour your spirit out. Just like Silas singing with Paul, grace can break down prison wall. Jesus, you can have it all when you pour your spirit out. in his presence you can trust in his name cause his burden is easy and he's perfect in his ways you can run to the father there's no reason to wait cause his arms have been open and that's not something you can change just like
God, just, just touch us fresh. Do something in us. Ignite the fire. Let it burn. Let it radiate within us. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in us, he quickens us. May we be quickened by the Holy Spirit to live in these perilous times as more than a conqueror. Lord, we don't leave it here today. Lord, we walk out emboldened by the Holy Spirit. Lord, may we commit to live and operate by the power of your Holy Spirit. It's not by might nor by power, but it is by your Spirit, says the Lord. May we receive the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives today. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, put your hands together. Come on, bless the Lord. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout it to God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul said, and I'm going to dismiss with this. Paul said in Acts 19, he came across a group of people and he said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said, We haven't even heard of such. This morning you've heard about the Holy Spirit. Now receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and be victorious this week. God bless you, and I love you very much. Just like Lazarus out of that grave, God rewrites history. Jesus, you change everything when you pour your Just believe that you can have it. There's a miracle right